All right, welcome into episode 108 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. On Labor Day. And Jamie Eisner. Also on Labor Day. I'm Luke Lipinski. We've, uh, we've, got, we've got a good show for you today. And you're right, it is Labor Day. It's kind of it's oddly quiet here. There was like three cars in the parking lot. Everybody, this office is full though. Yeah. A lot of people working. Well, I think a lot of the people here live here, don't they? Maybe. And that way you don't really need Jamie to, to park your car. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Jamie does. I didn't see yeah, sorry, Jamie's car. Ma- I'm sorry, I forgot to make my bed when you guys came in the podcast room. You know what? You knew we were coming. It's it's just the polite thing to do. So we've got uh, we've got some news around the NHL. I will start with the biggest. Rookie camp starts in days, like this week. It's it's starting. Can't you feel it's like the ice is in here at Gila River Arena in in, uh, in Phoenix. And uh, hockey season's here. Yeah, and rookie camp should be very interesting around the Coyotes once again. There are several players that could make their mark this season, but there are rookies all over the NHL. Uh, this is going to be an interesting season. I, 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 was, uh, I did a sort of a list of rookies that could have an impact this season, and, and there are a lot of interesting names to watch, a lot of, a lot of teams that are looking at. And as, as the league, I guess, gets younger and the, the cap stays flat from year to year, that makes perfect sense because you need cheaper options and faster options because the league is getting faster too. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. This is this is your Craigslist, right? From this week, it is. Um, well, that was a shameless plug for Craig. I don't know why I accidentally did that, but this is such a compelling rookie class because they're not all from the same draft class, and there's not there's absolutely not a clear cut favorite. For I the like Calder that. This year. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and and look, there there were arguments to be made last year. We still had to see those marquee guys perform. But they but, were favored heavily. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a, a couple candidates this year. I have no idea who is going to win the Calder Trophy. You could look at this and you could say, like a guy like Nico Hishier's last last summer. I guess not even. It's still this summer. This past June's number one overall pick, and so typically you sort of default to that guy, and you're like, okay, well, you know he's going to play because he's the number one overall pick, and you figure he's going to be the favorite, but he might not even. He might not even play, actually. We've talked about this on the show. He might be the first number one overall pick in a while to not step right in. And even if he does, he might play sparingly with the Devils. So it really is wide open this year. Yeah, we had Andrew Gross of the Bergen Record on to talk about this very thing. Of course, Travis Zajac's hurt. He's out four to six months. And if they do, in fact, move Adam Henrique to the wing as well, well, there's there's certainly more of an opening at the center position in, in that situation where he could play meaningful minutes, top six minutes. Well, you put a lot of names on here. Yeah, there are a lot of names. Jamie enjoyed reading it, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, don't, I try to keep all my Craigslist to a minimum of 2,000 words. <laughs> I like to ruin his Sundays. I think you're right on pace with this one. Because I, I, did, I didn't do this story, but I did a story about a month ago looking at probably the top 10 Calder candidates. And uh, you have at least 25 here, do you not? I'm, I'm, I stopped. I lost count at 25. It's a lot of names. Charlie McAvoy is an interesting one in Boston. Sure is. And certainly here locally for the Coyotes to have three names on, three legitimate names on this list, and Christian Fisher, Clayton Keller, and Dylan Strome. I mean, none of them have made the team yet, so we'll know better here in a couple of weeks, but they're, they're certainly all candidates. Yeah, I mean, all, all th- as we've talked about all offseason, even last year, I mean, all, all those guys are expected to have some sort of impact here in the next couple of years. Whether they can make an immediate impact or not is still to be seen. But, I mean, that, that's the, it's the encouraging time for Coyotes fans, at least in that sense, on, on the prospect side. And that's really kind of what you're looking forward to if you're a team like them. 
Uh, Sergachev made this list again uh, as well. We've talked about him a lot in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He could be a player that I think makes a, makes a pretty big impact. And then a few other guys that we've talked about on and off for a couple years now, Thomas Shabbat, Ryan Pulak. I mean, those are players that we've kind of been waiting to see when they're going to make their initial impact. So this is going to be a, a very intriguing Calder race just for a little bit different reasons than the last two years have been. Well, I think you sort of touched on it right there. I mean, there's there's players on this list that we've been waiting for them to make their impact in the NHL, and yet, you know, they're 20 years old. It's not like they're old. It's just the way the last couple <laughs> of years have gone with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Patrick Laine and Artemi Panarin stepping in. These guys have almost gotten pushed to the side, and now this is their chance. A, a few of them are going to absolutely run with this, and they're going to they're going to grab the spotlight, and they're going to make a huge name for themselves this season. And it's going to be interesting to see who, because there's there's a few teams that are probably wondering. Is this guy the prospect we thought he was? And and this is the year when you're going to see a few of those guys really take off. So, the Coyotes rookie tournament starts Saturday. That's yeah, for the first time. Crazy. For the first time that I've covered this team, they're actually involved in a rookie tournament. I, I, I don't know why every team doesn't do that every well, year. Every team pretty much is now. I mean, they were one of the, the handful of holdouts that wasn't doing this. They play the Kings in those couple games, and that was enough for them. But... And, and there's there's arguments to be made on both sides because what this becomes now, it's just evaluation through games. You don't get to teach as much or work on things as much when you're so focused on games all the time. But ultimately, where guys are judged, where guys are evaluated is in that game setting. So it, it can be a, a valuable tool. And then when you're playing different teams, you get to look at different systems. I think it's there's a lot of potential there for for better evaluation when you're going up against other teams, other competition, other systems. Yeah, the other teams in that tournament with the Coyotes are the Anaheim Ducks, the Colorado Avalanche, and the San Jose Sharks. So this might be something Colorado could actually win. But uh, might be the last <laughs> I was, was going to say something else snarky. So. <laughs> yeah, I say yeah, probably not. All right, well, Jamie just steps in and slams the door on that. Uh, the reason we're not talking about Shane Doan, we should probably put this out there, correct? Yeah, he, go ahead. Well, he... Uh, when did he officially announce He said he never wants to talk to you again. Okay, well, that's, okay. Uh, that's too bad for him because he's right. going to have to. Um, what, he officially announced it Wednesday of last week? Mm, uh, I don't know, somewhere in All there. the days Tuesday, bleed together Wednesday, for me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Last week. Last week is good. At some point last week, after we had already recorded our shows, uh, he announced his retirement. We could sit here and regale you with Shane Doan stories that would probably be pretty entertaining, but we're going to hold off. And there's a reason we're holding off, and Craig is now going to tell you why. Craig? Shane is going to appear on the Natural Hat Trick podcast in two weeks, so September 18th, mark the date. I can't promise that we'll talk much about this event because, in my opinion, it'll be passed by then. Everybody's sort of hashed out this story angle, but there are many other things to talk about with Shane, many other interests that you may not know as much about. Now, I think the, the hardcores probably know a lot of these interests already. One thing I can tell you we won't talk about with Shane is fantasy baseball <laughs> because if we go down that road, it will never end. That's what you think. But I guarantee he may you bring it up. the conversation <laughs> yeah. gets steered towards like the San Diego Padres. See, I'm worried team. I'm going to slip and like bring up like Rice Hoskins or something, and at that point this conversation is going to be over. That would be a mistake because... <laughs> As one does in conversation, and you just, oh, Rice Hoskins just floats out there. How can you not bring up Rice Hoskins on a hockey podcast? So that's why we're not dedicating a whole lot of this particular episode to the Shane Doan retirement is because we're just going to have him on in two weeks to talk. Like you said, Craig, probably not so much about the retirement because I think you're right. I mean, that's that's been talked about. This was not a shock that this happened last week. It's sort of been 
anticipated now for a couple months, really. But uh, it'll be good to have Shane on to talk about whatever. I honestly don't know what we're going to talk about. It could be the rest of the NHL. It could be the Coyotes. It could be football. I really don't know. So just get ready for anything, right? Yeah. Uh, real quickly here before we get to our summer preview of the Buffalo Sabres with Mike Harrington at the Buffalo News, still 11 RFAs unsigned around the NHL. David Pasternak is at the very top of the list. Yes, Bo Horvat. The Canucks don't seem to have money for him because they just gave it all to Thomas Vanek. Well, they, so. they keep, you know, the, the, Thomas Vanek, we, we, were, we were making fun of the potential of this signing earlier, but at least it's a one-year deal. So on a one-year deal, I don't have as much of a problem with this. It's not a lot of money. They might be able to flip him at the trade deadline. So maybe this move makes sense, right? Maybe they can acquire assets for this very simple signing. If, if they had been could a, do that. If, if there had been term attached to this, I, I would have scratched my head because it Again, this is a team that needs to embrace a rebuild, and they have so many players over the age of 28. It's ridiculous. Almost as cliched as me making fun of Vancouver is the sports cliche there are no bad one-year deals, but it applies here. I mean, if they get a, if they get anything of value out of Vanek midseason at the deadline, whatever, it's fine. I mean, again, if, if you're not going to use that cap space at this point anyway, it's September 4th, might as well... Tied up on somebody that you might be able to get some sort of asset from, even if it's just a middling draft pick. Yeah, right. if they were able to essentially buy a draft pick or two, or maybe a prospect, if he just if he has a great start to the season for two million dollars, it's worth it. What's, what's that's what they have to do right now. What's troubling here is if, if they still think, and I, I don't think there's any way they can anyway. But if they still think, oh, we can make the playoffs, and if by some miracle that happens, because Vanek has a good season for them, because some other players have a good season. That one's counter to what they need to be doing right now. And I, it's I not okay to get in as the number eight seed in, in the West and then just bow out in the first round. Not when you're not going in the right direction. Right. It's one thing if you're on the way up and you, you get in there as the eight seed because that's seen as progress. For Vancouver, you're right. It would just hold them up. But I, that's not even what I would be worried about. I'd be more worried about them being within striking distance because it seems like every team gets a point every night in the NHL. So the trade deadline rolls around, and they're not sure if they want to sell because they're only five points out of a playoff spot. That, to me, is more concerning. I, I can't see them actually making the playoffs this year, but I could see them hanging out in hockey limbo for a little bit. You have to believe that, at the very least, Thomas Vanek is not blocking the way of a, a prospect who needs to play. Sure. You would hope that they would not have made this signing if that were the case. Uh, Anthony Duclair is officially signed with the Coyotes now, $1.2 million for just the one year, which to me at least, makes sense for both sides after what has happened each of the last two years. General Manager John Chaika said yesterday on the conference call that they offered three different options with varying term and value. The, the longer-term offers were for less money, so Duclair took what John Chaika thought was a prove-it contract, and, and then Anthony Duclair said on the conference call the very same thing. He just wanted, I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I can play at the elite level that I did my rookie season. So now's his chance. There's... There's still plenty of time here. When you when you look at this situation, you knew he was going to have a regression because he shot 19% in his rookie season. Yeah. Nobody shoots 19%. Now, you shouldn't drop to 6%, so he should be somewhere in between. But there were a lot of issues in his game. There were issues in his head last year because of his game where he got down on himself. He was lacking in confidence. They sent him down to the AHL, and that didn't help either. He didn't he didn't play well in Tucson, no. so that was troubling. He had no no real leverage coming into this contract negotiation. But you hope that he you know he's cleared his mind. He's got a new coach who wants to play a system that that everybody believes will benefit his game because it's a speed game. 
And then lastly, he's got better options around him now in terms of playmakers. Look at their center position when they add Derek Stepan. Maybe Dylan Strom's in the lineup this year. Maybe Clayton Keller gives them a flash too. And, and of course, Max Domi is still there. So maybe all of that together can bring out you know, a better season than Anthony Duclair. Maybe not a 20-goal season again. I don't know if he'll get to that number. But maybe he can get to 15 instead of 5 because 5 just doesn't get a cut it for this guy. No. No, no. I mean, he's when you see him play, you're right. There are holes in his game, but he's got that speed. And prior to last year, he seemed to have that ability to finish around the net or when he had the puck in close. And so that's, you know, 20 goals is not 50 goals, but Anthony Duclair two years ago, you would call him a goal scorer. Well, last year he was the same player, except the goals weren't going in. So then you're just kind of a guy on the ice. Uh, so it's, it's a huge, it's absolutely, I mean, to prove it's the best way to put it because it's not like Anthony Duclair was the fifth pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and so he's going to just get chance after chance. This is this is a big year for him. There's really no way around it. For the reasons you just laid out, he's in a position to succeed now, but he's got to do it because he didn't take – I love how the Coyotes offered him three different packages, like the executive package, the prove-it package, <laughs> the business model, but uh, but he, he definitely went with the one where this it's all on him now. Yeah, when you uh... – John Chaika was talking about this yesterday, how they, they want him to take another step in his game, not just be that north-south speed guy, but be a guy who gets in on the forecheck. Yeah. You know, and this is what Dave Tibbet was talking about when he was talking about his compete level wasn't where it needed to be. Get into the corners, force turnovers with your speed. With you know, Let's face it, that guy has a ridiculous lower body. He's yeah. got quads like, like Mikhail Bodker did. Just insane lower body strength, right? I thought you were talking about Jamie when you... Uh, So we haven't had a a quads conversation in like at least 20, 25 episodes. He's got a very strong lower body, which aids you in those board battles. He's he's got a good stick as well. As as John Shaika said, he's got good touch. So use that ability. You know who we should watch as a model? Watch the way Jordan Martinuk forechecks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like breakneck. He's, He's like a runaway train when he goes into the corner. That's what Anthony Duclair should be. That's you can't forecheck thinking about like okay, I'm going to go forecheck that guy, and then I will be over here. Like you just you just chase the puck down essentially, yep. and he's got the sort of speed where he can force turnovers and he can force errant passes that he can then follow up the ice. I mean, he's he has the tools to be, I think, a, a very good player in this league. It's just a matter of just not thinking so much. That's what it looked like last year. I like that the Coyotes stuck with him, though, and didn't just bail on him after one year. And I like that Chaika sees that that promise and that potential there. And even if he doesn't deliver this year, I don't think that means Chaika was wrong, but he needs to deliver this year. It's about being multidimensional, as Craig Mm -hmm. pointed out, because you can be a speed guy, but your ceiling, if that's all you can do, is Emerson Edom. That's your ceiling, where I'm just going to go north-south as fast as I can, and maybe I I go on a hot streak here or there. But that's not an impact top six forward. Yeah, It's a complimentary player, as Dave yeah. Tippett called him. You, and the problem with complimentary players is they need someone to compliment them. So develop a more rounded skill set. Even, you know, I don't think they're going to have Duclair carrying the puck through the neutral zone a lot. But if, if he can do that on occasion because of his speed and because he's not, he's not a bad stick handler, as he said, I was always looking to pass whenever I got the puck. Well, once in a while, think about carrying it. Surprise people and surprise them with your speed. Again, like you just said, Jamie, add more dimensions to your game. It's not a knock on Dave Tippett by any means. I thought he was a fantastic coach for this team for years and years. But if you're just looking at Duclair as an individual, that's another area where he has to look at the season and say, I'm in a better position to succeed because the way Rick Tockett is going to coach is very conducive to the way Anthony Duclair wants to play 
and the way that should make him as an individual successful. We'll see what it does for the team. But that's another reason why, I mean, I don't know. What do you think he has to hit? 15 goals sounds about right. He needs to hit at least 15. Otherwise, this is probably a down season. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I want to see how he plays. I want to see how he gets those goals. I want to see what he's doing on, on all areas of the ice. But he's going to need to put up some points and put up some goals to make up for what happened this year. And again, he's on his second organization now. And it's one of those things where if he has another bad season or another or struggles through another season with another coach, you start to wonder about what type of player he's going to be with three different coaches, two different teams. At some point, it's got to click for more than just three quarters of one season. Yeah, and I feel like they've removed the excuses for him. You know, whether, whether and, and I always think that these things are overblown. Like Dave Tippett was, he was in Dave Tippett's doghouse, but there was good reason for him to be in Dave Tippett's doghouse. And, you know, when, when you look at systems around the NHL, there really isn't that much variance. I think that gets overblown too much. But he's got a, he's got a fresh outlook. John Chica said, said it yesterday. I thought he needed a, you know, a, a breath of fresh air as much as anybody in this organization. Well, he's got it with a coach who espouses a system that he wants to play. He's got better playmakers around him. And let's face it, they're pretty thin at right wing, so he's going to get some opportunities. Yeah, He's going to have the opportunities to get back close to the level he was his rookie season. So as I said earlier, it feels like they've removed the excuses. Now it's on him. Yeah, it's a great position for him to be in, which is somewhat remarkable after the way last year went. And I'm not going to let it slide that you just used the word espouses on this show. It's like it's Craig's word of the, uh, of the week. Uh, we can get into the other few news items later on, but we are now going to talk to Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News and get some insight on one of the teams from the Atlantic Division that should be on the way up this season. All right, we're joined now by Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. You can find him on Twitter, at Harrington. Mike, thanks for the time. Uh, I guess the first question with the Sabres, it's a team that we don't see a whole lot out here in Arizona, but obviously with Jack Eichel, a team that should be on the rise. In your mind, are they, uh, are they evolving as, as quickly as you would have expected? It hasn't gone the way people expected in the wake of getting Eichel. I think last year was a big step back. Uh, but there's a lot of optimism having Phil Housley as the coach and Jason Botterill as the general manager. And I think they just didn't mesh last year after Eichel's injury. And injuries killed them last year, but they didn't score enough goals. There was a lot of bad play on defense, and uh, the coaching style didn't mesh with the players. It just never was right here from the second Eichel hurt his ankle the day before the opener all the way through to April. Well, let's, we'll get to uh, the uh, GM and coaching hires in just a moment, but walk us through the, the, the coach and Jack Eichel drama last season, its impact on the team, and, and how real was that? I, there was a, you know, from, from a, an external perspective, there was a lot of blame placed on Eichel, and we know how that goes. That's, it's often misplaced. An ugly scenario at the end of the season here, and, and I think what needs to be said is Jack Eichel was not happy with the style of play Dan Bilesma was using, but he was not the only player unhappy. Uh, that said, if Jack Eichel wanted Dan Bilesma to stay, Dan Bilesma would still be the coach in my mind. They just simply didn't use enough of an attacking style. The players often would say after certain games, we just went out and played hockey that period, and that's why it went well. There was too much structure, too much video, too much of you must be here in this spot at this time. And, and hockey really is an instinctual game, and I think that was lost with this club last year. Now, did Eichel really say at the end of the year, I am not signing an extension if Bilesman is the coach? Um, 
I trust the reporter, the radio reporter who said that. Did Eichel mean it? We'll never know. Eichel certainly was in quick denial mode, as was his agent, about all of that. And then the problem was that was the day after that was when they fired the coach and the GM. So the optics looked really bad for Eichel. But let's just make it clear. Eichel's going to be a lot happier with Phil Housley as the coach than Dan Bilesma. In terms of his uh, his contract, I mean, he's he's only signed for this upcoming year, and then he could become a restricted free agent, which you know obviously the club still retains all the rights there. But do you see a deal getting done anytime soon, or what do you see that that next contract looking like for Jack Eichel? Well, they've pretty much agreed to an eight-year deal in terms of length, but the money's not agreed upon at all, and that's still hanging out there. I mean, we thought this would get done before the season, before camp. Well, but. You know, maybe the, there's a lot of talk lately. Eichel may want to essentially bet on himself. Maybe the Sabers are trying to keep it more into the the Drysdale range, eight million or so, and Eichel wants to be in that ten, eleven million range. And maybe it might take him betting on himself this season and going out and having an eighty-five or ninety-point season to really break the bank. Um, but they'll get a deal done here. They know he's the face of the franchise. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Eichel had a contract two days from now. I wouldn't be surprised if Eichel played out the season. There's a multitude of things that can happen here. I don't think it'll be a distraction per se. I think he's going to get paid. I think it just may be a case he may want to bet on himself. You mentioned betting on himself. How much better can he be, Mike? And and does he have the pieces around him to be that much better? He's got some pieces around him. And you look at some of the stats from last year. I mean, he did lead the league in shots on goal per game. Um, I think he can score more. There were times last year... I didn't want him passing the puck to Marcus Foligno. I wanted Jack Eichel shooting even more. He averaged, I think, 4.0 shots per game. I wanted to see him average five or six. He, he was unselfish to a fault at certain times. Um, but you look at it, he had 57 points in 61 games. So if he plays 82 games this year, stays healthy, he can get into that 80, 85, 90-point range and really elevate his status in the league. And I think there's enough guys in this team that can help him out and help him get to that point. With, uh, with Phil Housley stepping in now as, as the coach, how do you see that impacting not just Eichel, but the, uh, the style the team plays in general? You'll see what you saw in Nashville. You're going to see the defense really attack, and it's going to be much more of a five-man unit. Now, they don't have P.K. Subban and Matias Ekholm and Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. They got who they got here. But the defense is much better here than it was last year, and I think Housley's going to play a different style of defense. is isn't going to lag back like it did last year. The Sabres were last in the league in goals from their defense last season. That's not going to happen this year. You're right. Another player that is we've talked about a lot on the show is Ryan O'Reilly. Has he been what the Sabres have expected him to be? You know, for the money he makes, I would like to see more goals. But, I mean, Dan Bilesmo loved Ryan O'Reilly to, almost to a fault. They overused him in almost every key defensive zone faceoff. He's played special teams. He's led the league in ice time among forwards the last couple of years. I mean, he's really been a key guy. And now you're starting to move on in time, and a contract like O'Reilly's is looking like a little better deal at that $7 million range when you're starting to pay young guys $8, $9, 10000000 million. I'd like to see a little more offense from him, but geez. He plays in every situation. He's terrific in the locker room. And you do watch him every day and say, gee, Colorado really decided this is a guy they wanted to get rid of, and you see where Colorado's gone. <laughs> How was Kyle Ocposo's first season viewed? Another really good influence in the locker room. Um, 
you know, I think he was a little disappointed on the offensive end of it. Uh, I think right now people are just happy to hear he's healthy and he's going to be ready to go for training camp. Uh, you know, your folks down there may not know what happened. He disappeared basically at the end of the season, and we found out he was in the neuro ICU unit in a Buffalo hospital. He had a reaction to con- medication he was taking in the wake of a concussion. So we don't even still to this day know exactly what happened, but it was a pretty serious situation for a while there. You didn't know what was going on with forget about his career he didn't know what was going on with his life so uh, he's played summer league hockey in minnesota and he's ready to go but it's another really nice pickup to add some character in that room and i think the, the new york islanders really missed kyle Ekposa last year yeah i think that's probably pretty fair to say uh on defense a real nice weapon that the sabers have is rasmus ristolainen who put up 45 points last season only 22 years old, a right-handed defenseman. Those are obviously in demand around the NHL. Uh, do you see him as still being underrated, though, around the league? Well, it depends who you ask, because the analytics geeks think Ristolainen is vastly overrated. Um, I think he struggled last year in particular with partners. We're going to find this year that the defense is going to be a lot better. I think one of the underrated moves in the league was Buffalo acquiring Marco Scandella from Minnesota big physical guy who's mobile he can move the puck he can take a lot of pressure off wrist line and help wrist line in the offensive end wrist line and really i would like to see a little more offense from him but you know he's really got a great shot he helps in the power play he's got that snarly need on the back line i think you know he's not victor hedman yet guys you know and he's still you know that 22 23 year old range it takes a while for guys to grow but wrist line is another guy who can really explode in the next couple of years here, and I think Scandella is a really nice pickup that will help him out. Let's dive into that trade a little more as long as you you brought it up. Obviously, Ennis and Foligno going out the door to Minnesota, and you get Pomaville's contract and Scandella. Just, what, what's your overall read on that trade? Well, they had to take Pomaville's money yep. to get Scandella, and they had room in the cap to do it. And Pomaville loves it here. The fans love him. He's a nice fit. His, his metrics last year are pretty good. He'll help them on their second power play. They were number one in the league in the power play last year, and most of those goals came from the first unit. I think Pominville can take some of the pressure off Eichel. I think Pominville is in line to be the captain of this club. I think that would be a bridge to Eichel becoming the captain in another year or two. I don't necessarily think you want to put that on Eichel right away right now. I think you could put that on Pominville. Um, so he's still a serviceable player. Ennis and Felino. Ennis certainly may have needed a change of scenery. Felino's a guy Minnesota coveted. you got to give somebody up. But that was all about getting Marco Scandella, improving this defense. They got Scandella. They got Nathan Boyle from Montreal, Victor Antipin from the KHL. The defense in Buffalo is going to be a lot better than it's been. And how, how about in net? Robin Lehner established himself as a number one goalie last year. Will he get a new deal before he becomes an RFA? Well, this is a great situation for both of these guys. Robin Leonard and Chad Johnson are going to be battling all year long. They're both on one-year deals. They're both kind of, you could say they're Missouri natives almost. They're in show-me mode here. Um, they need to play if they want to get a deal. And Robin Leonard was probably the one guy most hurt by Tim Murray getting fired. The GM traded a first-round pick to Ottawa to get Robin Leonard, was probably going to give him, I would say, a three-year deal. Now Robin Leonard doesn't get that. He gets a one-year deal with Jason Botterill, the GM. And Leonard played 59 games last year, had a 920 save percentage. He didn't make a save in a shootout, which was real Achilles heel there. But he had a nice year for them. He's going to have to do it again. 
Mike, you mentioned Jason Botterill. We've been hearing about how he was sort of the next big young GM around the league for a while. Now that Buffalo has him, what are the expectations for him? The Sabres and the Bills are both owned by Terry Pagula. Terry Pagula got rid of both his coaches and GMs after last year. In the GM chair, he got rid of a scout in Tim Murray, Doug Laley with the Bills, and he put an executive in there. Jason Botterill at the Sabres, Brandon Bean came from Carolina to the Bills. He wanted more of an executive figure in that GM's office. And I think with Jason Botterill, the biggest impact he can have is depth in the organization. He built a tremendous farm system in Pittsburgh. Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins have made huge additions to the Penguins in Pittsburgh for Stanley Cup runs. Matt Murray, Connor Sheary, Brian Rust, the list goes on and on. Botterill can find those kind of guys to help the Rochester Amherst build some depth for the Buffalo Sabres. That's really a key point. And he's a savant in the salary cap, which the Sabres needed because of paying Eichel and figuring out what they're going to do with Leonard, Evander Kane, Sam Reinhart going forward. So that's what you're talking about when you say he's an executive, not just a scout, more of a holistic approach, just a big-picture approach? Yeah, they really need to be better in Buffalo and get toward the playoffs, but they need to be better in their entire organization. They were 26th or 27th in the NHL last year. I can't remember off the top of my head. They were 26th in the AHL. That's not how you win. You mentioned Evander Kane. You know, a, a number of questions, obviously, on this roster. But speaking of impending free agency, what does the future hold for, for Evander Kane? He's a mystery to me. He was terrific last year when he was healthy. He's a, you know, I say to people all the time, if you trade Evander Kane, you're going to be looking to find Evander Kane. You know, so they have to figure what they're going to do with him. Can they pay him with the cap? Um, if they're out of the playoffs and Kane doesn't have a deal, Kane probably becomes the number one rental in the entire league at the deadline. So they could certainly get some assets for him. You know, Botterill didn't make the trade to get him. Maybe Botterill's not that interested in him. You know, we're going to have to find out. But they can go a lot of ways with Kane. He can play himself into a deal. He can play himself into a great trade with to a contender. Um, a real interesting guy to watch this year. I think he's going to have another good year. He was really good last year, again, when he was healthy. Mike, what are the odds we see Alex Nylander in the lineup this uh, this season at all? Number eight overall pick in, the, in 2016. Obviously, his brother's doing pretty good in Toronto. You know, it's all going to come down to training camp. Um, Nylander, Justin Bailey, Nick Baptiste are guys who can make this team out of camp with a big camp. Um, I don't think they have any problem sending Nylander back to Rochester. I think they really want the Rochester Amherst to have a good season this year, and Nylander would certainly help them there. I mean, you're looking down the road a couple of years. Nylander and their number one pick this year, Casey Middlestaff, is going to be the University of Minnesota. He's looked terrific so far. So they have a lot of promise there, but Nylander's a guy. It's going to all come down to how he looks in camp. All right, last question before we let you go here, Mike, the big one. Is this team ready to challenge for a playoff spot this season? to come closer and challenge. They missed by 17 points last year. They finished with 78. I think they can get into that 87, 88 range, but that's going to leave them six to eight points shy again. I just don't think they can make it this year. I mean, there's, you know, other teams get better too. I mean, I think Carolina is the chic pick to really jump up in the Eastern Conference. Who knows? The Sabres could do it if Eichel goes crazy, if they stay healthy. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they got close, but I do think they need one more year, one more offseason, a little more tinkering from Jason Botterill before they can actually get there. Mike Harrington, great stuff. We appreciate the insight. Enjoy the upcoming season, all right? All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Mike.
Yeah, Buffalo is a uh, they're a tough team to get a read on because you you do want to look at Jack Eichel and you want to say like okay well look look at his point total last year compared to what Connor McDavid was doing and then Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine but. Jack Eichel did miss 21 games last year. People forget yeah. that. And he still had 57 points, 24 goals, and 61 games. It's, it's, not, it's not on him that they missed the playoffs. He was right around about a 32-goal pace. What's interesting is when you look at Buffalo's season, in terms of wins and losses, they were pretty consistent every month where they were just hovering right around 500, whether Eichel was in the lineup or not. Yeah. Which is odd to me. You would think they would have gotten a boost when he came back. Who knows how much the chemistry with the coach was impacting things, but they were they never really had that run where you thought, okay, this team's heating up there. They might have a chance to challenge for a playoff spot. And again, I think that surprises me. I, I thought that they'd be closer to that, you know, the, the, the cutoff mark than they were last season. As, as Mike just said, they're 17 points off the playoff pace last year. That's a huge gap. They were... They were the second-worst team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and, and they don't look like the second-worst team on paper. Mm-hmm. And even if you, you don't account for some of the young guys maybe not taking another step forward, you've got O'Reilly, you've got Eichel, you've got Kane when he's been healthy. You, you have a lot of pieces there that should make you, at least in that Carolina-Philadelphia range, of you're in the playoff conversation deep into, into March and maybe even early April. Yeah, they almost seem, and this is not the case anymore, but two years ago or whatever, they almost seemed like they were in the same boat as maybe Edmonton or maybe even Calgary. And they, they didn't get Connor McDavid, so it's tough to compare anybody to Edmonton now. But they got Jack Eichel, who you recall was was the clear number two that year. It wasn't like uh, McDavid and then there's a bunch of other players. Eichel was the clear number two. And there was a lot of talk at the time that he would have been the number one in a typical year. And even if Austin Matthews was a couple days – if his birthday was a couple days earlier four days i believe he um you know he would have been in that class too and there was there was talk who would go second behind mcdavid and i think most people even at the time agreed matthews but still you're talking about jack eichel being one of the the truly elite draft picks over the last couple years you would think the team would be making more progress you would you wouldn't expect them to be picking so low where they'd be in position to get casey middlestead this year yeah and that's i i guess when 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 i hear mike say he's he doesn't think they're quite ready to challenge Again, when, when you look at the moves that they made on the blue line, they've changed their coach. Eichel's, you know, this is all assuming health, of course. Why aren't they ready to challenge yet with, with the pieces they have? I, I guess it's a little perplexing to me. Now, you can, you can look at the Eastern Conference and say, yeah, they're probably not getting in because the Metro Division is ridiculous, so there just aren't that many playoff spots available. But I kind of feel like they should be in the conversation. They should be close. They should at least be in the conversation. But I, I think I understand what he's saying in the sense that they did miss the playoffs by 17 points last year. Do you see Buffalo just all of a sudden being 17 points better and other teams dropping out? I mean, we've talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning endlessly on this show. We all expect them to be a playoff team this year. They weren't even in it last year. I, they might be my pick to go to the Stanley Cup this year from the Eastern Conference. And if you're putting them in the playoffs, that means somebody else drops out. So if you're putting Buffalo in the conversation, that means you're looking for at least two teams to drop out. And if anything, I see more teams trying to push their way in. Yeah, because Toronto's going to be better this year. I think we all agree Tampa's going to be in. So the the Atlantic, I mean, uh, those top three spots, in my mind, barring injuries, are are set. Yeah, it's just a matter of order. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be those three teams I just mentioned, Tampa, Toronto, and and, and Montreal. Those, Those will be the top three teams, and then... You've got Ottawa, which went to the Eastern Conference Final last year, battling for a, a wild card spot probably with Boston. But again, 
you talk about it being a 17-point jump. Maybe that's too much to, to ask, but I guess that's not my point so much as why weren't they there in the first place? They, they should be with, as Jamie said, what they have on paper. Yeah, and when you, you look at a team like Ottawa and you just put them on paper next to a team like Buffalo, should that team really be 20 points ahead of them in the standings and going to the Eastern Conference Final while, while Buffalo's picking in the bottom five again? That, that, that shouldn't be happening. So I see what you're saying there. And, and who, I mean, look, if Ottawa's able to go on a run like that, and a lot of it was fueled by having Eric Carlson, perhaps Buffalo can go on some sort of similar run just to get to the playoffs fueled by Jack Eichel. And as you said, Craig, you, you have to assume health in that case. But I, tell you, I, I look up and down the Eastern Conference like, who are the truly bad teams? Is it I'll, – I'll let Jamie answer first. <laughs> I, I think he has one in mind. Okay. But, but, I mean, we talk about, like, truly, truly bad. It, there's, there's a team in, in, in Detroit. Yeah. That's, but that's, that's it, really? It probably is it, especially with, with you, the uh, changes you've seen in New Jersey. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's still going to be several teams in the East that we look back at the end of the year and add them to that list because things just don't work out for whether it's by injury, whether it's poor performance, whether it's young players not making an impact. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if New Jersey doesn't have a, a huge point improvement from year to year. Yeah, but they should at least be better this year than they were last Although year. Although Travis Ajak being out four to six months, that, is, hurts. Is, that hurts a lot. So maybe they're a team that needs – maybe they're the team that needs that one more year to – to have another big offseason. They, they, they need a lot of pieces still. That when you look at their blue line, that's... But like for a team like Buffalo, I'm not, look, ugly. I'm not looking yeah. for them to make the playoffs. I'm looking for them to compete with the Carolinas, the Philadelphias, the New Jerseys of the world. That's what you're looking for this season because if you can't compete with those teams, the right outside of the playoff bubble look, trying to get in, then you are multiple years away from being a playoff team, and then that is concerning for a team that really should already be in that picture. We should talk about Buffalo exactly the same way we talk about Carolina, but we don't. Yeah, I mean, they took Sam Reinhart, what, number two overall in 2014. They've, they've been taking players at the very top of the draft for a few years now. It's, it's time at the very least, and, and Buffalo is such a great hockey community. I mean, that, that should be a team that's picking 12th this year or something. They should at least be making that, that climb up because you're right, Jamie, they shouldn't be in the same tier with a team like Detroit that seems a little lost right now and a team like New Jersey that's sort of bottoming out. They might start to be on their way up this year, but they've, they've bottomed out. They, they shouldn't be in that tier. They should at least be up there with the Islanders and Philadelphia. I mean, they're kind of similar to the Islanders, aren't they, in the sense that New York has John Tavares, they have Jack Eichel, and it's just a matter of what you're putting around them. Yeah. So they That's should at least be in that range. The Islanders have been more successful with less raw talent. Yeah, but they've had a couple of good pieces on their blue that. line, and that's that's important. But, yeah, like Mike said, their their blue line has significantly improved this offseason, so they should be able to jump into that conversation. And I think we're just going in circles now. And you're, you give me a look like you're blaming me for that. How dare you? Well, you are the host, kind of. All right, well, then I'm going to steer us to Columbus. Alex Wenberg signing a six-year, $29.4 million deal. Uh, we debated this throughout the 2016-17 season. Is he a legit, true number one center that you can you can make a deep run around. I'm not saying that, I'm not asking you if he's McDavid or Matthews or Crosby or Taves, anything like that. But just a true number one that you can be confident that this this guy's good enough where we can make a deep playoff run, or in Columbus's case, ever win a playoff series. I well, first off, I would say they didn't pay him like that number one center. They paid him like a number two center, yeah. so it's a good contract. And secondly, I don't know yet. There's not enough body of evidence to to say one way or the other. He had a terrific season last season from a production standpoint. I think he. 59 points but 
it's still too. You, you need to consistency is a big part of this game, so he needs to do it over a, a few seasons. But again, this is a good contract. That's a, that's a yeah. pretty good number to have the guy that is manning that spot for you right now making. Yeah, and the reality is, it's a lot like NFL quarterbacks. There aren't thirty-one number one centers in the league. I'd be confident saying that's the guy that's going to lead my team. But you have to make do with what you have, and I think he's a more than competent top six center. And he had thirteen goals, fifty-nine points last season. He's getting better. He's young. He's not. He's not being paid as if he is a premier top center in the league. I don't have any issue with it, but no, I'm, I'm not yet convinced that he is the number one center you build a perennial playoff contender around. Is he going to play with Artemi Panarin this year? I'm curious about that. <laughs> it's a pretty nice combination. It's fun playing. 46 assists last year for Wenberg. You just sit there and set up Panarin and see what happens. Columbus, Columbus could be a fun team. They were, they were a fun team last year. They just Until you win your first playoff series in franchise history, people aren't I don't think, going to view you as a true threat to do anything, even though that's not right. fair. I mean, the, the team that they're now has nothing to do with the team that wasn't winning in 2007 or something. But still, it's the same franchise. No, they, they just need to get out of that division. Yeah, well, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think soon. so either. All right, before we wrap this up, Jamie, I'm going to let you do all the uh, house cleaning where you throw out all the different ways you can listen to the show and all the things you were telling me I needed to say before we started recording and that I didn't say. That you did not listen. Okay, yes. well, you can listen to us on fanragsports.com under the podcast tab on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, all the f- wherever, wherever you're listening to this right now. Believe it or not, you can continue to listen to us using that platform. Because <laughs> uh, Luke is too good, I will ask you, if, if you like the show, or even if you don't like the show, but you just like one of us, please subscribe. Please um, subscribe. Yes. I'll ask, too. Yeah. Don't do it for me. Nobody's doing it. Do it for Craig. I have children. Craig works so hard. He does have see their children. faces. <laughs> Every day when he comes home, they ask him, Daddy, how many, how has anybody subscribed, subscribed yet? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girls. Yeah. Beans again for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> if you subscribe, Craig can afford real food. So please subscribe. So yeah, please subscribe. Uh, you know, rate. You, you know, you know the deal. You've been on. If you've listened to podcasts before, you know that it's the same deal that everybody asks for. We're just trying to be a little bit more cool about it, but I'm failing miserably. Well, but we're not going to charge you. So really, all you no, have to do is free. click. Subscribe. You get exactly what you pay for when you subscribe to this podcast, <laughs> and you don't have to, you don't have to oh, sit wow. there and and, uh, and wait for. One of us to sporadically tweet out when we've put out each episode because if you subscribe, it'll just go right to whatever listening device you have. I want that tagline associated with our podcast It's now. free. You get you what can. you paid for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us for this episode later on in the week. We will have a show previewing the Dallas Stars, who could be a very entertaining team this year, as well as the Florida Panthers. And as Craig said earlier in the show, Shane Doan will be coming on in two weeks. So that's... Uh, Stay tuned. Subscribe, and that way you can stay tuned. For Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. The Natty Hattie!